Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio again it goes out on the internet it doesn't go to fuck away after <laughs> After you say it and put it out there, it's true. Way. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go anywhere. It's always fucking there. Jay, Jay will always be the guy that talked about a movie where a brother and sister fucked and then he put period blood on her face. Like <laughs> that's never going away. I mean, that was like that was like the first season of the show. That was like <laughs> the first episode. Hey, you gotta break them in. You know, <laughs> you <gotta> break, <laughs> break in our listeners. Yeah, I was say because when you say you got to break them in, it sounds like I know. I it know, sounds I like know, you. <laughs> it sounds like you're grooming a child for for Shh. sex. You're, you're you're pulling a Woody Allen on them. That's what it sounds like. Oh God! Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Super Movie Bros. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. I have to say bros now because I've been saying brothers the entire like length of the show, and apparently like then people look up Super Movie Brothers, and if you type in on most of your pod searches, B-R-O-T. I've thought about that. Yeah. We don't show up, so... We're super I'm surprised movie we never talked about that before. <laughs> I know, never talked about it. So now when I do the intro, super movie bros, it sounds weird to me because super movie brothers, like it's always rolled off the tongue. But now we're super movie bros. So it de- it depends on the cadence on the how you say it. It does. It and really does. You pull it off perfectly fine. Don't yeah, worry. So about so we're that's that's why the announcement changed because. Some people are like, I've searched Super Movie Bros or Super. But movie I've always Brothers. said Super Movie Bros to yeah people like off air. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I don't know. It, it depends on the, like like I said, it depends on the cadence and the how you say it. We were the anti bros, but like clearly after listening yeah. to some of our episodes, we are just bros. <laughs> we are not anti bros. We're not highbrow. We are just bros. <laughs> Uh, Low-hanging fruit bros. This is our news and trailer park episode. So me and Jay got a couple of like fun news stories that we are going to be running through. Uh, Lots of them. And then we are going to get into trailer park for Shang-Chi, the Legend of the Ten Rings. So without any further delay... Let's get into the news. All 
This first news story is something that's near and dear to Jay and mine's heart. David Fincher has begun preliminary talks with Netflix for the third season of Mindhunter, which Fuck I am yeah. dead excited about. Because previously, I think some of the news that we got was like Mindhunter was done. It, it wasn't renewed. It, they, yep. they weren't going to be doing new episodes, uh, which 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 is what not being renewed means. But you know, and that was devastating to me because I was like, you know, I mean, we just we just talked about the John Wayne Gacy, or in the next episode we'll talk about John Wayne Gacy. That's what I went to school for. I'm very fascinated by criminal psychology and stuff like that. Uh, I have my degrees in it, and sure. this show was right up my fucking alley, and it was yeah. run by David Fincher, so oh. the, it was absolutely and it's right up his alley. But at the same time, you know, Fincher being Fincher and a series, he's already a very meticulous filmmaker. So right. it took up a lot of time and money, and I think he just kind of got exhausted from Here's it. Here's what I think happened. I think I, I, I think the second season uh, kind of came out, and it was like it, it was probably as well received as the first season. Maybe some less. Maybe some people dropped off because. Not everybody's like me and you. Some people do shy away from like the 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 shadier aspects of the human condition and and the blood and the gore and stuff like that that the show did involve with a little bit, as well as the extremely graphic, descriptive detail of the crimes that were committed by the people that they are interviewing throughout this show. But I, I, I think the second season kind of fell flat. Also, it, the, the second season kind of focused on the Atlanta child murders, which were at the time was not something that was in the zeitgeist. It was not something that was talked of. It wasn't a big hook, like something like John Wayne Gacy would be, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, all these big-name serial killers that are synonymous with our society that people know about. It's about almost like an unknown, or or, or at least a little-known serial killer that is a mystery that was almost never that that's practically never been solved. Mm-hmm. So it didn't have that hook. And even though they're teasing BTK the entire time, that th- that's not really like a big draw of the series. So the second season didn't do as well as they thought. But then what happens? A pandemic hits. People got nothing to do. They're scrolling through their Netflix. They find Mindhunter. All of a sudden, buzz about this show starts happening months after its release because it's quality and it then word of it's mouth, really good. you know, and it's and good. it's it's just perfect to binge, especially if you don't have to go out anywhere. So I want to say Fincher played his cards right. He's just like, no, it's cool. People will come around to this, and when it's popular, then I'll have my discussion and I'll make a little extra cheddar cheese on top of it. <laughs> so. So, fingers crossed that we do get a season three of Mindhunter. But here's my hope. Here's my hope. We we end with season three, and we're, when we're just done. Finish season three out. I'm fine with that. And, and, and let's end it so Netflix can't like cancel it or not renew it or or whatever again so i think i think venture has all the power yeah i I hope so because i really want to see the closure of the btk story because it's fucking fascinating i don't want to spoil it for people who are mindhunter fans but like this is taking place in the late 70s early 80s btk ain't caught for a long time after that and how he gets caught is fucking fascinating and i've i believe i mentioned it to jay before but he may not remember it but um i don't want to spoil it for you guys but i think that's that's a really fun story it's also really dumb (laughs) btk (laughs) is not not as smart as you think he is is what i'm saying so i hope we get a proper payoff for that story as well next news story all right here's a super fun one 
You and I did a news story last week about the great deal that Netflix just did with Sony, where they're like, you know, 20, starting in 2022, all the films that were previously getting shoveled to stars, which guess what? No one subscribes to. I used to back in like the Spartacus days of of stars. I don't Ugh. subscribe to stars anymore. Yeah. It, it's got never nothing. did ever wanted to. Right. It's got nothing for me. Several TV shows. I did subscribe during the time that, you know, um, Ash vs. the Evil Dead was around for like one year. And then after that, I was like, I can just buy it on Blu-ray. And I, that's exactly what I did. So Sony ended their time with stars and signed a deal with Netflix for exclusivity for a certain amount of time. Uh, after a film is in the theaters, it will go to Netflix and stay exclusive to Netflix. But after that window expires, Netflix has another uh, Sony has another deal. Coming off the heels of that with Disney Plus and possibly Hulu, depending on the 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 rating of that movie. So after a film, its exclusivity window ends with Netflix, Sony Films will leave Netflix and they will move to the Disney product. So previously, you and I have been like, Sony's the only holdout. They're the ones not building an app. They went, they bucked that system. They went, fuck it. We're going to double dip. They essentially had two kings in blackjack and they split them and they doubled down their chips and then they got an ace <laughs> both times because they're they're just making money hand over fist now yeah yeah i i think um i mean what do you expect i mean this is just how it is nowadays right now especially with the pandemic you know you have to pick and choose wisely and, and protect your eggs and this is just the way they're gonna go about it I, I think you're right. I think like I but I think for Sony they're they're not putting out the the smart thing about what they're doing is they're not putting out the the upfront cost of starting a whole well, new flat, and I a think platform I, and I, launch. I, I, I th- they're right. getting the and money I, I think, and they're gonna put it back into their studio and then they're moving forward. Maybe yeah, someday th- they'll come uh, to their own streaming, but right now sure. they need the money up front and sure. and they just got it in spades from two but, of the biggest fucking you know movie but you have to remember in the world sony sony is sony doesn't have that kind of draw sony has a broad no. brand name we've talked it's about this so before. broad they don't it's they it's have a different. very small stable of exclusivity you know of franchises really you know universal yeah. has its franchises and 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 disney has its and you know there's Warner Brothers has their franchises. Sony has like has a small stable of franchises that they can draw from, which is previously why we talked about why they were so big on expanding the Spider-Man universe as much as they could because it was one of the few marketable properties that they had. And now that they're getting money from both Disney and Netflix, they can put that back into those properties. They can put it back into their films. Yeah, and I think this is one of those cases where, you know, also, you know, they need to do something. And they had to do something, and it was just one of the. It's just a matter of time of them finally accepting that fact. And I, I, and also, by the way, you know, we just now see the challenges and how much and how long and obviously expensive it takes to unleash these platforms. Yeah, it's a ton. The cost of it is. It's just unbelievable. Instead of the long game that all the rest of them are doing, Sony exactly. decided to go for the short game and get paid up front. I think it's genius. I think yeah. I think it's the only thing that they could have done and should have done, and 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 I think they did the right thing. They really did. I think so too. Next news story. 
All right, Jay. Keeping with the Sony train here, let's do uh, let's just do a stream of of Sony news. First things first, the Spider Verse. Uh, that's uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse sequel. F- Lord and Miller no longer involved. They have a well. I mean, I'm sure they're producers on it, but they have yeah. a new directing trio this time. So they have. Joaquim Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thomas, who will be directing. I, I'm I'm really intrigued by this. I don't know why. I mean, does are are you are you somewhat worried that? No, you know why? Because I feel I had because we they're nobodies. I personally feel like that they are they are like the behind the scenes curtains of the guys that made the original brilliant. You know, they were the visionaries behind the scenes cuz obviously everybody knows, especially, you know, animation and things like that, it takes a team, but it also takes, right. you know, people who are heading those teams and departments and such. Right. And, and, and I think there's a good chance that maybe they were like real big, you know, they were headstrong guys that had a good creative idea and they were able to push things along within um, this project and and, and and obviously excelled exceptionally well. Well, so first things first, Dos Santos cut his teeth in animation on the Avatar series and then later The Legend of Korra, uh, which are two fan favorite um, cartoon series coming from Nickelodeon and soon to Netflix and Paramount Plus. Uh, and then the other director, Kemp Powers, uh, was a writer over at Pixar and is a writer on Soul, which was one of our favorite animated films from this year. And and, and that kind of comes with a whole different story because um, apparently Pixar is very unhappy with Disney pushing their a lot of employees at Pixar are very unhappy with Disney pushing their their films two of their films this year two of their biggest films or temple films from this year straight to Disney plus uh, they, they, they felt like that that's not the platform that their films should have been viewed at that's a story for like another time we'll see how that develops but apparently oh, yeah. over at Pixar a lot of people have Developing been walking story yeah have been walking away as a result of the pandemic and Disney's treatment of the studio and and its properties uh, and then the final uh, director of these three, Justin K. Thompson, comes from the Sony Animation Pictures, which was going on, which had like the Ice Age and the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Uh, that is Justin K. Thompson. Uh, he was also uh, part success. Yeah, yeah I mean, he was also part of the production of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and he was animation director on Get This, Star Wars, Clone Wars. The 2003 and 2004 Gendy Tartakovsky series, which is yeah. now streaming on Disney Plus, you're so. you're 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 proving my point. Yeah, you know their resumes are highly strong and interesting, and I find it really fascinating. As far as film, like like Lord and Miller, you can point to you you can point to both animation uh, and and film and say like they're they, they're great. These they guys have, get animation, they get fandom, and they uh, sure. and, and that's what they're that's what they're set out to do. And and I think they have a big pipeline, and I don't think they needed to be directors. I think they need to be producers, you know. I think they need, I still need to, you know, oversee things in, in, in some, you know, back seated kind of way. But you know, they have other projects. You know, yeah. they got a Gosling project in line. We have some kind of astronaut or space odyssey thing, whatever, and and other things out there. But I think they 
they those kind of guys just need to stay active and creative. And with animation, you're stuck. I think Lord and Miller did their time in animation. They did they, they did the Lego movies, and that, sure. they they were well received. They did Into the Spider Verse, well received. Uh, they they played they, they played their their role in live action, and they're they're moving forward with their careers. Uh, they're probably you know continue on as producers here. Uh, but what you have are three directors steeped in animation, bringing you another animated feature. And I yeah. think their pedigree for from their IMDb kind of shows that like they've both been a part all three of them have been a part of successful animation projects sure in the sure. past and I look forward to seeing what they bring to into the Spider-Verse moving forward next news story RJ Alfred Molina is joining the camp of the likes of Tom Holland and Mark Ruffalo and he is spoiling MCU plot points at this point <laughs> <laughs> apparently uh, it, they've been trying to kind of keep it a secret even though we've all known for months the leaks of andrew garfield and to mcguire which has been confirmed for being in no way home and which is the, the spider-man 3 no way home uh but apparently like the, the 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 other rumors that we've had of like willem dafoe and some other villains returning have all been rumor uh, even Alfred Molina returning as Dr. Octopus has kind of been pushed to highly suspected rumor. And Alfred Molina has now confirmed that he is returning to the Spider-Man universe in Spider-Man No Way Home as Dr. Octopus. And apparently some people were like, oh, man, he fucked up. Like, uh, but I don't see it that way. I don't know how you can see it. That I think way. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I think obvious. this is a hundred percent a thing on Sony where they're where this is not one of those quote unquote he fucked up type leaks. It's more of like a it, this was more of a calculated leak. Perhaps, perhaps, sure, sure. But it is confirmed that he's returning as Doctor Octopus in in Spider Man Three: No Way Home. And the way I the, what I see is. Uh, with with this being another one of those, you know, multiple universes, you know, kind of jumping off the the the, the back of of some of the other stuff that's going on in the MCU, uh, with with Loki and with WandaVision and with Doctor Strange two, Multiverse of Madness, where we're we're kind of getting to the idea of multiverse. It's very easy for Alfred Molina to show up as Doctor Octopus and be from another universe. It's very easy for for Alfred Molina to play to to play dr octopus in in the other universe because it makes sense that both these universes would exist and doc ock would look like doc ock from the other universe so no matter how they play it whether it's he falls into the river trying to save his precious tritium and (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh gets sucked into some vortex and shows up in tom holland's spider-man universe or whether it's tom holland comes to him or whether it's just alfred molina playing doc dr octopus Doctor Octopus in another movie. I, I I don't think this news is is really a leak. I think I, I I think the rumors and stuff have already done their job and gotten people interested. And this is just now confirming it, which is reaffirming people's interest, which is what Sony would ultimately want to do at this point. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. What did you think of uh, Alfred Molina as Doctor Octopus? Uh, like, is that something that you're interested in seeing again, or would you rather see them recast? Dr. Octopus at this point. No, no, no. I think it's perfect. I think no, no. You, you, there's no reason to recast it. He still looks great. He, I think he still would blend in perfectly. And, and, and I and thought he did a great job with that role. And it's an iconic role. I mean, it's, I think you so know, too. people think that's 
this by Spider-Man. Uh, uh, still some Spider-Man, people do. Still some I people do. The I mean, flesh it's, from her bones. <laughs> it, you know, Alfred has such a theater background oh, yeah. of an actor where, you know, which is great he, for, he for, for being a comic he's, book villain and going over the top because yeah, on he, stage he just you knows, do have to go over the top at times. He knows to really how to, to pull back. He knows how to pull the heartstrings. He knows how to go nutty. He know he, he knows the range and he knows when to do it. And it's perfect for villains. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. I look. I, I I think it's not wrong for Sony to take your most successful and your most critically regarded Spider-Man film and bring some aspects of that over into your current mm-hmm. into your current universe, which is also critically regarded and and fan loved. It's it, it's it not wrong to marriage those things because you're yeah. you're marrying your new audience with your old audience and stuff like that, and you're I I. I I, I'm happy for it because, yes, I am partly nostalgic for it. And I know a lot of people hate hate how studios play on nostalgia these days. But you know what? I, I don't care. I like it. So wh- what's wrong with that? Like, does that make me a bad person? No. Do I, am I happy to see him back? Absolutely. Am I really hoping that Willem Dafoe confirms that he's coming back too? You're goddamn right I am. Because <laughs> I fucking love Willem Dafoe. Absolutely. Next news story. RJ, we'll leave the Sony universe for a little while. We're going to dive into the MCU a little bit right here. So uh, this news story apparently recently People are now finding out that Wyatt Russell, who is currently playing John Walker, Captain America, on Falcon Winter Soldier, people are just now getting wise to the fact that that's Kurt Russell's sperm. Like, that's his kid that he had with Goldie Hawn. And, look at um, that chin. <laughs> right. And, and people are like, oh, my God, he does look like Kurt Russell. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you didn't know this already. Uh, you know, he's uh, J- Jay knows how, but like to me, like when he was in Overlord, when he was in Black Mirror, uh, the Goon, uh, and me and Jay have uh, the Goon too. That is, you know, me and Jay have been talking about Wyatt Russell for quite some time on the show. Oh, a good five years. Yeah, I mean, and, and I've talked about him, and I said like, watch this, watch this dude. He's coming up. And at one point, he was actually part of the NHL draft. Like, he was one of the up and coming hockey players from the college, from, from, from college at one point. So he has like a sports pedigree, which makes sure, which makes sense why he was in the goon, too. But people are now just finding out. But also out. just being athletic and having physical type roles because he has a presence. He does. I mean, he, just, he doesn't just have the chin. But also, or the acting ability. His or dad's career but, started with the Disney company, and it makes sure. sense that he's now gaining his stardom with the Disney company as well. I mean, his father was the original computer who wore tennis shoes. So, (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, people are now just getting wise to the fact that Wyatt Russell is Kurt Russell's son, which got people talking where they're like, man, you know what series of movies was great? John Carpenter's Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. Wouldn't it be great if Wyatt Russell reprised the role of Snake Plissken. He looks enough like him. We'd all buy it, right? And Wyatt Russell went, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to play Snake Plissken. I don't care how much people say that they want me to play Snake Plissken. 
I'm not doing it. He does not want to do the role that his father made famous. And I respect him for that. I really do. Because if we're going to bring Snake Plissken back, I want it to be old, grizzled Kurt Russell. Uh, oh, I want yeah. I want hateful eight. I want, you know, I, I, I want I want death proof. I want like you no, know, I want that Kurt Russell. I want the old Kurt Russell to reprise the role of Snake Plissken. I think there's a story there with an old Snake Plissken. Um I don't want to see a young, revived Snake Plissken. Uh, and I think Wyatt Russell is doing just fine on his own without stepping into his father's shoes in any way, shape, or form. I agree. He he just had a, a comment about that because that has become a thing on the internet where people are like, he looks enough like him. Let's do a Escape from New York remake with him, or let's do you know a, a sequel to Escape from New York or Escape from L.A. with him. And I respect him for for saying like, no, no. I mean, we already got people petitioning for for uh, one of his co-stars, Sebastian Stan, playing Mark Hamill, play, playing the young Luke Skywalker in something. You know, uh, it's just like, it's it, it's kind of amazing where fan petitions have got to like this point where people, and I say petition as if like there's a website for you to go sign for this to happen. It, there, there's not. But essentially when the tweets go out, and they get retweeted and people continuously bring it up. It essentially is like a petition because you're because the studios watch that shit and they pay attention to it. They do. No, they actually do. They really do. Yeah, it essentially is a petition when 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 you do stuff like that. Um so I really respect him stepping up and saying that like, yeah, uh, you know, well that sounds cool. I'm not saying it's not cool, guys. Uh, you know, but like kind of let me do my own thing. This is kind of like his first big role also that's kind of like really big in the public eye where a lo- it's got massive amounts of people watching it. So um, huge, massive career move for him to, to do this now part of the MCU. We'll talk about it when we do our reviews for episodes five and six. Uh, I don't think the MCU is done with John Walker just yet. Next news story. RJ, final uh, MCU thing, uh, and I only bring this up because recently you and I were talking about creator rights and stuff like that. Yeah, we we, we had a kind of like a long discussion about creator rights, and we weren't really sure. We're like, where creator rights end and studio rights begin and stuff like that. Like, when do you give credit where credit's due? So apparently... The creator of the Winter Soldier character, quote unquote, Ed Brubaker, um, he did not create the character of Bucky, but he did create the moniker of Winter Soldier for him and did create him into that version of the character. Uh, he apparently is sickened by watching Falcon and Winter Soldier. It doesn't it doesn't give him joy to see a character that he created being portrayed on screen because so much of the storylines that they're doing and the way the character is portrayed comes from mm-hmm. his writings. So for him to not really get any of the credit for it, other than amongst comic fans, he doesn't have a story by credit. He's not a producer. He's not involved in the production of the series or anything like that at all. And there are no royalties coming to him whatsoever. So for him, watching this kind of makes him sick a little bit because so much of his so much of what they're doing with the character is built off the backbone of what he built the character into in the comics. So, what do you think of this, Jay? Do you think like he's being a big old crybaby or do you think that there is something to be said for creator rights amongst comic writers and that they kind of are given that so much of what the Marvel and the DC universes are built off of is the is essentially the sweat off their backs. Do you think they're right for being a little salty over this? Of course, because like exactly what you just said, you know, it is 100 percent 
their material. They created it. It didn't start as a TV show. It didn't start as a movie. It started as a comic. A comic that they created, period. You know, like, it's it's pretty cut and dried to me. I mean, it's, right. it, you know, they deserve at least a story by credit, at least a producer credit, whatever. All right. that bullshit is or all negotiable anyway. By and, characters created you know, and it's some all different nominal kind of fee, some some sum of yeah, money. some percentage, some type of straight payment, whatever. I think so too. Something uh, you know, it, it when but not when nothing. Ed Brubaker brings it up in this interview uh, that that I was reading uh, that when he created the character of Winter Soldier, Marvel Comics was kind of in flux. It was it was kind of almost in bankruptcy. He was actually one of the ones that kind of ushered it into the age that that like the, 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 my favorite comic book age, the early two thousands. You know, he kind of ushered it into like this this era that like where they were saving Marvel Comics, um, and that the, you know the Marvel Comics becoming profitable again is what allowed them to be bought by Disney. So when he wrote this character, he didn't know that Disney was going to be buying Marvel. He didn't know that the character was going to be put into films. You know, it, it, it's it's the unknown. And it goes back to what we talk. You know, there's a great documentary about creator rights. And it's called I think it's called Bill and Me. But it's all, it, it's a it's a Hulu exclusive. But it's all about Bill Finger and Batman and how Bill Finger essentially was the creative force behind Batman, even though Bob Kane get, got all the credit for it. It was essentially Bill Bill Finger who created all the aspects of Batman that you know and love as that character and it took his family years and tons of dollars in in litigation to get his name put on as a created by credit um it's a fascinating documentary about creator rights and stuff like that. And I suggest that everyone checks it out. Um, but also like Ed Brubaker is just kind of talking about the same thing. And he even mentions like in his interview, not even so much for him, not even so much for this character of the winter soldier, but more or less for all those other creators out there who are creating characters and creating stories who aren't getting it. Cause he's done fine for himself, but it's not the same for every other writer in the comic book industry. And and now the entertainment industry is mining the comic book industry for all this content. And the people that really created the bones of the content are not getting their dues. Yeah. And I it's, do think it's, it's, it's fucked up. I think it's wrong. Yeah. So I think he's right to feel a little bit sick to his stomach watching this stuff. Even though I'm enjoying it, I'm eating it up. I'm not going to, that, that's not going to change the fact that, you know, I'm still enjoying the series and I am still giving Disney my money. If there was an option to give Ed Brubaker my money as well, I would. But there's not. That's that. That's the legal battle that has to happen. It's Disney's responsibility to to pay him for that, or to at least give him the acknowledgement of it, which he's not getting. So next news story. RJ, this is just a funny one. Did you know that there was a different title for Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice? What? No, yeah. I did not. So Zack Snyder's original title for Batman v Superman, Son of, uh, Dawn of Justice, was Sun, S-O-N, of Sun, S-U-N, and Night, K-N-I-G-H-T, of Night, oh, God. N-I-G-H-T. So Son of Sun, Night of Night. <laughs> so bad. Oh, one represents the sun. One represents the dark. So bad. Never meant to be together. Uh, absolutely fucking ridiculous. I could imagine somebody so think, at Warner you Brothers. Think, you when think he, when, Snyder when, is the one that created that title? I don't know. But could you imagine that at the top of a script Jesus. and it comes across a producer's desk and he looks at it and he's just like, what is, what is this? 
that's the new Batman v Superman movie. And he's like, you want to call it Son of Son and Night of Night? And he's like, yeah. And it's like, get this shit off of here. I can hear Ari Gold right now yelling <laughs> at the top. He's like, Lloyd! No, it would be, it, it would be the Ari Gold doing the, you're fired. And in case your ears are fucked, get the fuck out! <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite guests. I miss use. Ari Gold. Oh, God. <laughs> I just I, I feel like I got after this episode, I'm gonna have to like YouTube Ari Gold scenes yeah. and just kind of get my fix. This is ridiculous, and I'm so glad that this wasn't a thing. But the more and more I hear about like Zach, what, what Zack Snyder had planned for this and what had planned for that and this trilogy and that trilogy, I'm just like. Look, man, I'm glad we got. I'm glad we got your Snyder yeah, cut. Yeah, I'm glad we got lucky. I'm glad we got the Snyder <laughs> cut. Know, but I'm also you, glad that he that's should all be glad he got lucky and just fucking move on. I'm glad that like that's he all really does. Uh, next news story. All right, man. I think this is the final news story. I did have a news story about Amelia Clark uh, supposedly joining the uh, joining Marvel's Secret Invasion as an unnamed character, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah, but who cares? I mean, Amelia Clark maybe yeah. may or may not be in Marvel. Let's Secret wait until Invasion. more announcements yeah. happen with that. We know a little bit more about the project before we can dive into it yeah so uh but and and the more and more mcu we get the more and more we'll know what that project's going to be but final news story man uh michael keaton we did a news story about how he wasn't <laughs> sure about he whether he was going to be batman sure. in the flash sure. it was kind of like up in the air the flash has begun production by the way so it's underway we got a new flash logo you can check it out on annie machete's instagram account excited apparently his publicist took it out of michael keaton's hands and was just like you're gonna stop talking right now michael just shut the fuck up and i'm gonna address everybody and i'm gonna let everybody know you are playing batman in the flash movie i don't care what you say i don't care about how scared you are of the pandemic or what's going on or whatever you've said in the past you are playing batman now you want to get nuts come on let's get nuts (laughs) michael i need this money your grandkids need this money we're doing this (laughs) i'm your publicist i get 10 percent of whatever you make from this film you signed on to do it now you're gonna do it uh but no his publicist has confirmed that he will be batman in the flash movie which i find hilarious that michael keaton was dancing around and i don't know will i won't i what's what's the pandemic situation what's the safety on set i'm not sure i haven't confirmed anything his publicist is like oh no fuck that i've already said hard yes to everybody on this I'm sure his I'm sure his agent was right right there in the in the uh, publicist ear, and he's like, "You're going to announce this, and I don't give a fuck what Michael says. Mm-hmm. We're going to force him into this because me and you, our paychecks are on the line if he says no to this. <laughs> so let's just make the announcement. Let's force his hand. He'll thank us later. In the end, he's always he talked about coming back to Batman. Here's his chance. We're 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 just gonna we're just gonna make it happen, and and we're all gonna get a little rich for it. So let's just let yeah. it happen." This must happen. You can't announce that shit. Ever since Birdman, he's been teasing like us for returning as Batman, and now it's finally happening. And he wanted to, you know, he kind it's of made a wishy-washy, true. he might balk on it comment a couple a couple weeks ago, and uh, apparently the people who run him won't won't let him say no. <laughs> Good for them. Hope Good he still us. wears a rubber suit. Good for <laughs> us is what it comes down to. Good oh, for us. Of course. I know. Me and you have dreamed of this since we started this podcast. We've I so still many- can't believe it. I still I, I, see my issue is like I want to make sure he is in a proper suit. Like I don't want like some modern fucking suit. Like, no, you I want, want the eighty nine suit. 
or yeah, or or returns. You or know, returns, like right. I, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah you want yeah. that? I you, I want that same type you want a of proper Keaton suit. I want you that proper no jawline. I want that. I want the 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 scowl to be Keaton scowl. Like I, you know, I want it to be authentic and proper. And then I will die happy. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. So that's going to do it for our news this week. But don't go anywhere because me and Jay got some trailer parks to get into. We got the new trailer for The Conjuring 3. And, of course, the first look at Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. So, Jay, let's head over and let's get into trailer park. Cut the beat and let the music play. No trailer park. Shout out to Dave and Jay. I don't serve, but there's a new wave. We've been on since trust. God saved the right stop. I don't want to flow until I know that the bass drop. Welcome back to trailer park. Can't thank Thomas Iannucci enough for uh, letting us use those beats for our trailer park intro music. Absolutely. So this first one is the trailer for The Conjuring 3, or The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. This is Ed Warren, here with Lorraine. All right, let's get started. Residents of Brookfield were shocked this afternoon by the broad daylight murder of Bruno Sauls. The court accepts the existence of God every time a witness swears to tell the truth. I think it's about time they accept the existence of the devil. Whatever was going on, whatever happened that day, that was not Arnie. It's a witch's totem. We think your family was cursed. And that connection's still open. So... This trailer just dropped, and this is another one that's going to be coming directly to HBO Max. So its release date is June 4th, and uh, it's being directed by Michael Chaves, so not James Wan this time. The first time James Wan's not directing a, a Conjuring movie, but it... They wanted to get away from what I read with the production is they wanted to get they wanted to get away from the haunted house, quote unquote, the haunted house of right of the conjuring series. And they kind of take it out. And it's very much based on the real story of a real murder that happened that was that, a murder that was performed by Arne Cheyenne Johnson in nineteen eighty one, where he killed his friend and landlord, Alan Bono. And they, they they kind of get into the psychology of the case and it's it's one of the most controversial Ed and Lorraine Warren stories that's out there because this is one of the ones that people pointed to the most where they said like they're kind of charlatans they're kind of frauds so I find it interesting that this is the one that they chose to to bring the story around but maybe that's something that Warner Bro- that that Warner Brothers wants to do with the story maybe they kind of do want to dive into the fact that like as a, a, in a paranormal investigative world Ed and Lorraine Warren were are, are highly regarded as far as the outside world goes and as far as the the outside world looking in on them goes is there's a lot of claims of them being charlatans being being false and 
being into it for their own fame and their own fortune. So they actually got involved in this case for real. And while the movie is trying to trying to show that it's possible that this family was cursed, bewitched, but in, in some way, it, Ed, Ed and Lorraine Warren actually did give testimony in this trial for the defense, which is which is kind of weird because it's one of the first times in American history since the Salem witch trials that we have allowed mm-hmm. paranormal events to be allowed inside of a courtroom and to someone who investigates the paranormal to give testimony on it in a court trial. So it, it, it clearly wants to dive into some very strange issues. Um, not, not, not strange, but it's going in a direction. It's completely different than anything else. The conjuring series has done before. And I kind of respect it for doing that, for, for taking the conjuring out of its element and kind of putting it into this, into this new, into this new realm, into this legal realm, which is completely different. You know, like previously it's been trying to convince the family that they're haunted or trying to convince, uh, other experts or, or, or even the police at times that like, this is haunted. This is what's going on. Now they're, uh, they're not only trying to convince, a courtroom, the the media and and the people involved close to the case that there's something paranormal going on as well. Yeah, I I think it um you know it still looks solid, you know it does broaden into a different story. But I think for me the story is highly intriguing. I think the spectacle got a little overboard for me towards the end of the trailer i i think you're right i i do think that after watching this trailer i'm worried that that the that the formula for ed and lorraine works so well in the haunted house realm i'm kind of worried that they're biting off more than they can chew here i i i i kind of think they're going to start delving into subject matters that that essentially the the production of this movie is is writing checks that it's not quite prepared to cash you know i i have I have no doubt that that Vera Farmiga and that Patrick Wilson will deliver, you know, wonderful performances. You know, I I, I love them both as Ed and Lorraine Warren. The Conjuring films are are, are among there for uh, for me with modern horror films that I love, and I'm still excited for this. However, I I am trepidatious looking at this. Um, the, the, that they chose to do one of the most controversial Ed and Lorraine Warren stories, but I kind of hope that they don't shy away from that being part of the story that this is an extremely controversial case um, that they got involved in. And I'm kind of hoping that that's, that's part of the story. And, uh, but I also don't want that to come at a sacrifice of the horror either. Yeah. I, I, I think it's still up in the air. I think it's still up in the air and I, I understand where you're coming from. And, you know, obviously I'm not, you know, the, the biggest fan, um, of this i think at the very least it's solid solid filmmaking and and they and the heart is in the right place with the storytelling so i think you know as far as they respect the audience still i think it'll it'll still be at the very least a solid film and it's kind of interesting has potential to be great it's kind of interesting that warner brothers is even making this because as recently as 2006 People involved in the case actually sued the Warrens and and the Warren estate for 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 libel 
um, in regards to this case as well. So like it's not so long ago, you know, it was legally relevant that like this case that was kind of taboo to not to, to not talk about as there was there was civil cases still going on in regards to it, uh, you know, as as recently as 15 years ago. So uh, th- that's kind of interesting as well, because it's not that Warner Brothers can really land themselves in hot water, but they do have to be careful about how they portray it going you know going forward they do have to make sure that they know that this is a fictionalized retelling of the events as they were recounted by Ed and Lorraine Warren so um it's it's an interesting backstory i just hope that the that the that the movie can be as interesting as the backstory is and still kind of carry that vein that the conjuring has had uh with its with its two previous installments so we're gonna have to wait and see on that one uh, but now it's time to get into the meat and potatoes what we really came here to discuss and it is the kind of surprise trailer drop from the mcu for shang chi legend of the ten rings yep I gave you 10 years to live your life. Now you see me rise. And where did that get you? You walked in my shadow. I trained you. Most dangerous people in the world couldn't kill you. Son, it's time for you to take your place by my side. I'm extremely excited for this movie, and I didn't even know I was this excited until I saw the trailer. I and agree. I saw some of the stuff that was going to be involved with it. So, just to break the trailer down, uh, we we kind of get greeted by a voiceover in this trailer. That's it's kind of saying that you know. I've let you live your life for 10 years. And the voiceover is coming from Wen Yu, who is the father of John John or Shang-Chi. And what we see here is a, a series of a, a series of clips and and we you know we, we first are introduced to Shang-Chi and and he's kind of like looking at this beam of wood and this hole that's been worked into it and we get flashbacks of him training as a child he's being trained by death dealer who essentially is an assassin hired by his father when you now his father when you is kind of an amalgamation of two characters in the comics shang chi's father is a man uh, a villain known as fu manchu 
which is incredibly racist by 2021 standards. So we can't have a character in an Asian-led film named Fu Manchu. That's just not politically correct. But we also have this interesting thing where it's the Ten Rings, and the leader of the Ten Rings is the owner of the Ten Rings in the comics is the Mandarin. And we've already gotten the Mandarin, but we got the fake Mandarin. We got the Trevor Slattery mm-hmm. Mandarin. Ole, 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 ole. And we got the 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 great short, the Marvel short called All Hail the King, where the Mandarin sends an assassin after Trevor Slattery. And we we get the, the, the line at the very end where the Mandarin wants his name back. So we're now going to meet the real Mandarin who is Wen Yu. But we kind of get teased that Wen Yu is not just the the head of a criminal empire. He is the owner of the Ten Rings. And the Ten Rings, what are these things? Uh, is it just a cool name for a terrorist organization or criminal organization? In the Marvel comics, the Ten Rings were actually ten physical rings, one to be worn on each of the five fingers of a, of a person, and they were each had their own powers. Some of them allowed you to to, to manipulate the uh, hot and cold. Some of them allowed you to levitation, transmutation, all different levels of powers. Essentially, they are, are kind of like infinity gems, infinity stones, but they were taken uh, by the Mandarin and they were taken from an alien race of, and I shit you not, an alien race of dragons. Mm. Yeah. And those 10 rings uh, gave the Mandarin all of his powers. He's a big time Iron Man villain uh, and, and sometimes Avengers villain as well. But here they're marrying this character into the Shang-Chi mythos and they're kind of writing out the Fu Manchu character and they're, they're kind of writing out the Mandarin character and they're, they're blending them both into one here. And instead of rings on your fingers, like like it was in the comic books, th- we can see the ten rings, five on each arm, going up Wen Yu's arm. And my guess is the reason for that change is because we just had a villain not too long ago with jewelry in his fingers. We don't really want another one with jewelry on his fingers. Marvel doesn't want to become too derivative. So instead, they're now more like bracelets, gauntlets that that are worn. And it makes sense because if they're stolen from an alien race of dragons, it's not like dragons have the same size fingers as you and I. They have massive fingers because the, the, the dragon that we may see in this, and we've already got a Funko Pop of uh and a little bit of a tease for a character a dragon character called the great protector but a lot of people are speculating that that great protector is none other than fing fang foom who is a character that ever since uh the mcu has started i've always joked with my friend kenny i was like they don't got thanos like big purple space guy how long do you think it is for they do fing fang foom and the answer was Dude, they'll never do Fing Fang Foom. That's that's ridiculous. Giant dragon in the MCU. There's no way they get that far. Talking raccoons, sure. You know, <laughs> Infinity Stones, yeah, sure, we got there. Time travel, reality jumping, all this other shit. Does it? Does a giant dragon from outer space really surprise us that much at this point? Fing Fang Foom's a thing. It's a it's a thing, and I think it's coming in this movie. It's been teased, and um, this trailer doesn't confirm it, but. If 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 the toy line is anything to go It'll by, be there. we're getting Fing Fang Foom. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'm expecting for it. it. <laughs> if I don't get dragons, then fuck you. What the fuck am I here for? 
<laughs> but we also get images in this trailer of of what, what looks like the future what, what looks like the past right like we see when you kind of like in, in this fight with with it with this green backdrop and this green lady um which looks like it may be some point in in the past in like feudal china's past then we also get images of them fighting where we see like food dogs like coming to life uh, and and fighting in what almost looks like this like celestial realm, but possibly also takes place in the past, implying that that when Wu has been alive for a very long time, it's not like Shang Chi is, you know, he's been he, he's a fifty year old man or anything like that. He's more than likely thousands of years old, and the Ten Rings is probably just as old as he is. And it's nothing new in the MCU. We've seen the 10 rings, obviously in Iron Man, they, they kind of made their return in Iron Man too, because the person who hands Ivan Venko, his envelope before he goes to work for Justin Hammer is also a member of the 10 rings during the bidding war over, uh, over the, um, the wasp suit, uh, in in Ant Man, there's a member of the Ten Rings there as well, and then of course at the end of Iron Man three, um, for 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 the short film All Hail the King, the the Ten Rings come to claim the name of the Mandarin back. So they've been there the whole time, this entire twelve years of the MCU. The Ten Rings have been there, but now that Hydra's gone and everything else, and they're on the rise, and they are the next big villains uh so so that's kind of like the big plot points that i'm noticing but let's let's go through some some little things that like i really enjoyed first things first in the mcu we have kind of been conditioned to like when a cool car pulls up a superhero is getting out of it right like this sporty audi pulls up who steps out iron man but the way this trailer starts is cool car pulls up lady gets out throws the keys to our protagonist, to Shang Chi, who is a valet at an upscale, uh, upscale hotel, uh, and yep. his valet partner is none other than Aquafina, <laughs> which I love. Uh, the story is going to kind of, kind of center around San Francisco, which, being in San Francisco, Jay, what other MCU character uh, was in was from San Francisco? Oh, it's um. Ant-Man, but also from Black Panther. Oakland. That's right. They go to I Oakland. I believe right across the pond in Oakland. Yep. Right across uh, the harbor. Killmonger. Yeah. So I do expect there to be some crossover there. Now, one of the things I noticed about this trailer is they don't exactly tell us when this takes place in the MCU timeline. Not sure if this is post Endgame or whether this is after you know we're, we're not sure like really when this takes place my guess is this is going to be fully after but I would like to see since they're both in the same city at least some mention of Ant-Man or the exploits of Ant-Man at some point I feel like it's if you're gonna if you're gonna set it in the same city you gotta do it uh, one of the cool things was that in it, they kind of show his tiny studio apartment in the background he has a kung fu hustle poster and if you haven't seen kung fu hustle then you're missing out on one of the funniest spoof movies that has ever been made <laughs> um, cool. we also get a, a look at the real Mandarin now uh, Wen Wu when he has long hair and a top knot and stuff like that and he's sitting there in front of the Ten Rings logo uh, we also get to meet what 
essentially is another main villain in the film, Death Dealer, who is someone who was essentially a soldier for hire for Wen Wu, uh, his father, the Mandarin. Uh, and he's also the one that trained Shang-Chi. We also are then treated to all the images of Shang-Chi's life and kind of the expectations that were put on him by his father to essentially be his protector, to be to be the strength of the Ten Rings, to, uh, to, to essentially take over for Death Dealer at some point. He wanted to train his son to be a hired assassin, to be a, a thug, to be a, you know, part of his criminal empire, uh, his right-hand man. But... Clearly, by him leaving and going to San Francisco, he rejects that. He rejects the abuse that he received under that training. We also see uh, that at some point, Razor Fist, that's a name. It's almost as bad as Taser Face. But Razor Fist, who <laughs> was another uh, Shang-Chi villain, uh, comes to San Francisco, fights Shang-Chi uh, on what looks like one of those trolley cars that are famous in San Francisco. And the next scene, Razor Fist and Shang-Chi are arriving at the Ten Rings compound with Wen Wu. And we see just how big the Ten Rings really is. It's got an entire army. Uh, men posted on ramparts, anti-aircraft guns uh, posted at the top of it. So this is no small criminal organization. This is large, absolutely huge. Um, we do see some images of what looks like the the power of the Ten Rings being used, like when Shang-Chi is looking at the wall and water starts flowing around, the, the ability to control water is one of the powers of one of the Ten Rings. We also see when Wu walk into what looks like a um, Mahjong, kind of like Den, and we see them glow blue as he raises his fist and punches through the table. And he's trying to explain to his son that, that uh, it's all about power. And it's all about the show of power and controlling people with that power that, that keeps them in line. Uh, we know that Shang-Chi is going to refuse to join his father in his quest, in, in, in his criminal organization. And finally, one of the things that I, I really gleaned from this trailer was that it looks like we're going to get a cage fight at one point. And that cage fight is kind of like bluish. It's bathed in neon. Shang-Chi is facing off against uh, what I assume will be revealed to be his sister, Zhao Ling, who is his estranged sister. Uh, and it looks like they are facing off against each other in a cage match. But that cage match looks like it's taking place in a place that we are now familiar with in the MCU, which is why I think they dropped this trailer um, after the Falcon Winter Soldier episodes that we've gotten. It looks like this cage fight is taking place in none other than Madripoor because behind Shang-Chi to his right, we can see a crescent moon with a star inside of it, which is, if you look at all the things from Falcon Winter Soldier, is kind of like the flag of Madripoor. And that's kind of it for like the Easter eggs and stuff that I that I was picking up during this. I was previously not excited for Shang-Chi other than kind of like name recognition alone. Uh, but I think after watching this, it, it, it's going to prove to be a very different type of MCU movie, focusing on a different aspect of the MCU that we kind of haven't seen since Iron Fist, which wasn't good. Um, and I think this is taking that Iron Fist formula and making it better. Jay, what do you think? I think that this is going to right a lot of wrongs within um, the stigma 
of the the Asian stigma. I think the little one-two punch of Minari and this film will, you know, will be great. And I know um, Disney's film was a huge flop, and I think they mishandled that. And you know, it's unfortunate, but I think this. Are you talking about Mulan? Mulan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry about that, but uh, it's uh, you know. I think it looks like a lot of fun. I think it's a great mixture of visual storytelling, history, um, and 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 a lot to be desired. You know, I think you know they haven't really gave us too much, so I think no. there's a lot to explore still. No, the full story. Uh, this is considered a teaser trailer uh, because they don't give away a lot of the story, but there's enough to glean from from there. But also, it it still feels right at home in the MCU as well, because we have this, this cosmic weapon that's, that's kind of being introduced um, where, where we also get echoes of things that we're already seeing the MCU now, like Madripoor, San Francisco with mix in uh, possibly of Ant-Man and stuff like that. So it's very easy that like, if this movie ends with Shang-Chi returning to San Francisco, he could be a cameo that shows up in Ant-Man and the Wasp three. Or vice versa, Ant-Man could show up in this. I also, I deeply hope that this is true. Rumors have been out this week that, I mean, obviously we knew that Charlie Cox was already reprising his role as at least Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home. And and if all rumors are to be believed, all the Defenders are returning at some point in MCU properties with the exception of iron fist and Michael Coulter's Luke cage. Uh, so Jessica Jones, uh, Kristen Ritter apparently will be returning at some point and all theories are pointing to, she's going to return in she Hulk and John Bernthal's Punisher is also back as well as Charlie Cox's Daredevil. They kind of consist of like these these characters that are known as the Marvel Knights, which also Shang-Chi is a member of. But the person that he would be most tied with is Iron Fist because uh, it, like we see this fight with with Wen Wu wearing the ten rings, and he's it looks like he's fighting in ancient China, and we're seeing dragons flying overhead, uh, and we're seeing foo dogs, you know, also in the fight, which is part of, of Chinese uh, mythology, and it made me think of of the celestial city where Danny Rand got his powers from. So I wonder. We know that there's seven celestial cities. I wonder if this is one of those celestial cities, and if we're gonna slowly get iron fist back into here possibly with recasting at some point but look man i love brubaker's run and matt fraction's run on iron fist so any tangential tie i can put to it i'm going to do it and i'm going to hope that it happens <laughs> but he he oh, shang chi is a character that fits right in with that with that 70s you know Bruce Lee is making popular movies, so Marvel Comics is going to write a popular character that's based off of Bruce Lee, and that is Shang-Chi. And then, of course, we get the white guy who does the same thing uh, with Iron Fist. So um, I kind of hope that we can tie Iron Fist into this as well. But that's a brief little news story that there's rumors out there that all the Defenders are coming back and that they have roles in the MCU and that they will not be mentioning the, the, the Netflix series, but it's those same actors reprising the roles and and essentially taking them up in the current MCU storyline and I couldn't be excited to be getting Charlie Cox back and John Bernthal. Yeah. 
Yeah, how can he not? <laughs> yeah, but but with this movie, it seems like the person that they would tie most to is Iron Fist, and Iron Fist is a is is a favorite of mine. So I kind of hope that they can tie him into this as well, or at least at least an Easter egg, a little tease of it. But you know, I'm excited for this man. I I I think the fighting so far, like I think it looks top notch. I like the way. That like that forest scene looks like uh, with Wen Wu fighting that woman in green. It kind of looks like House of Flying Daggers. You know, I'm kind of digging the 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 crouching tiger, hidden dragon feel of of some of the uh, some of the fights that are taking place uh, in, in what looks like feudal China and stuff like that. So I'm very much interested in in that aspect of it as well. So this movie is being directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. Previously, he's done one of Jay's favorite little indie films that he got me to watch that I really enjoyed, Short Term 12. Oh, yeah. So, so um, I mean, as far as indie clout goes, he's got it. I'm, I'm just curious to see to see more about this movie. I can't wait for... You know, the, the second trailer, you know, the story trailer that we're going to have uh, that will eventually come along with this. So you got what what looks to be a promising story, father versus son. I mean, come on. Star Wars already set that up for us. We're we're we're, we're all down for it uh, when it when it when it comes to the MCU Star Wars Disney properties. Uh, so this film is currently, you know, not it's not shown in the trailer, which I find interesting, but uh, on IMDb, it's slated for a release of September 3rd. Now, we know that Black Widow, which is the movie that comes out before this, has been moved to a July release. Um, Jay, do you, do you think there's any possibility that this will go directly to Disney Plus? No. I don't think so either. I, I think I, I don't think so at all. I think that's... Um... That's going to be far and few between now, especially right. with it's the three, um, it's three months things that were two at months this, after at the, Black Widow. Right so. at, at this at this point, things that were meant to be in theaters, I believe, will be in theaters. Fair enough. Except for Black at Widow, some point. Except for Black Widow, July 9th, Disney Plus. I'm there. <laughs> I said at some point, Black Widows in both. That's my point. So I'm not saying that it won't also be per- perhaps, you know, they'll drop it where it's the same day and date kind of situation. However, like I said, it will be in theaters. You know, it's not going to be exclusively Disney Plus. It's not going to be, you know, whatever. Um, I think moving forward, it's going to at least have some type of theater release. Fair enough. Look, uh, I'm I'm geeked on everything that Marvel has been showing us recently. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I can't wait for the end of Falcon Winter Soldier. I am stoked for Loki. Can't wait for Black Widow. And I, I love the fact that this early on in Phase 4, I'm already being able to start connecting strings to the next project. To the it's next been project smooth. And building it's been and smooth. Building and building. It's different, but smooth. It is. Yeah. It is because I think previously in the MCU, we were all kind of like, 
it, it, it was kind of fun to see how they kind of tied in like little by little, but like yeah, never, it never got really a fatiguing and it was a little stale at times. It was, but right. The whole phase two was awful pretty much. But this time around, because we, we already know that, that the MCU is going to do that. I think the first time it's the first time it's ever been done. So we had no clue what they were building towards um, until we saw Thanos at the end of Avengers. And even then it took a further seven years to get to that point. It's kind of fun to now sit back, watch phase four start at the end of essentially like the first arc of Marvel movies. We're now getting to the second arc where we're, where now I can sit back and I can be like, I I can see strings and threads going to projects. They haven't quite officially announced yet, but I know they're coming. Like I know it's coming. I know it's on the horizon because we're getting this, which ties to this, which ties to that, which ties to this, which brings this in. And that all gets me really excited. And I love the fact that we can sit back and enjoy these as singular stories, but also look forward to each one as a building block. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and I can't wait to break down Falcon winter soldier, uh, season finale on, 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 uh, on upcoming episode. I can't wait to dive into more trailers for Shang-Chi and to actually see the film and for Black Widow and how that's going to tie into everything else. Uh, I think that's like the outlier. That's that's like the dark horse because it takes place before Endgame, after Infinity, uh, before Infinity War, before Endgame, after Civil War. And it's kind of like, how does this fit into everything else? And I know that they're going to do it in a way that's probably going to be surprising to me which is which is fun also so uh that's going to do it for super movie bros this week if there's anything we didn't talk about uh with these trailers especially with shang chi you can feel free to reach out to us on our social medias anything anything that we said on the show that you want to comment on so reach out to us on our social media you can reach me on twitter at super movie pod i am on twitter j underscore smb super movie bros on uh instagram and then facebook super movie bros podcast and i also have an instagram it is smb dave i occasionally post some movie stuff but mostly it's pictures of my baby so if you want to see what 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 baby grayson looks like if you want to see what my daughter logan looks like i post those on there as well but i also get into movies and my cocktails and stuff like that uh and we of course have a patreon so make sure that you check out our patreon at patreon.com slash super movie bros podcast there for just one dollar a month you can get all the additional content that me and jay produce up there over over 30 episodes right now are available for just one dollar a month and of course we are part of a network we are part of the age of radio podcasting network so make sure that you head over to ageofradio.org and check out all the shows that are part of the age of radio podcasting network i want to thank all of you guys for listening have a great one cheers cheers all right, stop. 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 Stop.